good, everybody? Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast here on Niners Nation. I am Rob Stats Guerrera, and with me, as always, on this Thursday, Levin Black. What's up, Levin? Oh, not a whole lot. I'll, I'll try not to cuss as much as Jason did on his <laughs> pod. <laughs> Gave the bleep button a workout. That's what Colin Cowherd will do to you, apparently. Uh, if you haven't heard that, you should go. Jason had quite the rant about uh, the lack of empathy for Trey Lance after his injury. We are going to talk about that. We're going to talk about, obviously, the Broncos game. Big game coming up. Sunday night football. First primetime appearance for the 49ers. But just want to let you know, if you're new to the show, this is where you get the hot takes, mostly from me, and the cold truth, mostly from the human wet blanket, Mr. Levin Black. We always say, if you take the time to leave a review, we will take the time to read it. So rate, review, follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We got this review Monday from Mark Andrew. Five-star review. Great show. Great show, he says. Favorite Niners podcast, Robin Levin are great. Why is Kyle calling so many design runs with Trey? He was bound to get hurt. This injury is 100% on Kyle. Jimmy G looks great passing to wide open receivers. Why can't Kyle call the same passing plays for Trey? And we can get into that if you want, Levin. I don't blame Kyle Shanahan for this injury. I do blame him for not letting Trey throw enough, but I don't think it's fair to say this is this injury is Kyle Shanahan's fault. I agree mostly. I do think Kyle should get uh, a little bit of blame. I think almost all the blame is just bad luck. Sometimes nobody's to blame for something happening, and injuries are often that way. Uh, I think it's just bad luck. You know, I don't think Trey Lance did something that put him in a in a bad way that he could have avoided by going down early or or anything like that. But uh, I do give Kyle a little bit of the blame because he was getting his quarterback hit too many times, in my opinion. And mostly he gets a little bit of the blame because he I don't think there's any argument against he didn't trust Trey Lance to pass. I and agree. that's just you, you gotta you gotta figure it out. Let him pass a whole bunch in the first. If, you, if you're worried about him passing, let him pass a bunch. See if he works his way through it. See if it's, you know, some people are pr- not practice people. Some people, something happens in a game and they're a lot better. Who knows if Trey Lance is that. But let him pass a bunch. Figure out what he is as a passer. If it's so bad you can't work with it, make the swap to Jimmy. If it's something that's progressing and he's getting better and better, I thought the whole idea was be the best you can be at playoff time. So why are you protecting him so much early in the season and stunting his growth? I, I just d- don't get in that. So I do give him a tiny bit of the blame. I get, I blame him for that totally. And I was in a huge back and forth with Ben Albright on Twitter about this yesterday or uh, Tuesday. And he's claiming that, they never lost faith in Jimmy Garoppolo They or in uh, Trey Lance, that they had 100% faith in him. And then re-signing Jimmy was just about getting draft picks back and having a good backup quarterback. And I'm sorry, that's bullshit. I don't agree with that. I don't believe that. I never, ever will. If you look at what they are doing, everything they're doing says they don't have total confidence in Trey Lance as a thrower. They're bringing back Jimmy Garoppolo. They're running the hell out of him. And... and his Kyle Shanahan's defense about Buffalo is absurd. It's absurd. Mark DeLuke tracked down the numbers. They're running Trey Lance on 19% of his snaps so far in the NFL. Josh Allen in his first two seasons ran the ball on 6% of his snaps. So Trey is getting run three times more than Josh Allen. So when Kyle says you need to go watch other teams, I do watch other teams, Kyle. And guess what? You're not doing the same thing. 
and and I know Niners fans don't want to hear it, but it's not the same. They're trying to pull the wool over your eyes here, and I think it's insulting to our intelligence as fans. Uh, yeah, Kyle was definitely very arrogant in a in a way that you can uh, you can get. F- if I'm being honest, it, it's an arrogant way that's just you're you're being petty. You're you're allowing your ego to get involved, and it's BS is what it is. Uh. I do watch a lot of other teams. You know, I've had Sunday ticket now for 10 plus years. Uh, I watch a lot of other teams and I watch some Josh Allen games every single year. You know, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert like somebody that, you know, would be the equivalent to us on, on the Bills team. You know, I don't cover them every week. But the way the Bills ran their offense, they passed a ton and let him figure it out. Let him progress, get better, because he got so many reps passing. They didn't run him at all in his rookie year. If he ran, it was a scramble. And over time, they realized, okay, he can take these hits. He's not getting hurt. He's a big dude. He's pushing people over. And they started incorporating some runs. But it's still, the Bills were the most pass-happy team in the NFL last year. They called the most pass plays. Now, Josh Allen turned some of those into runs, but they called the most, the highest percent of pass plays of any offense in the NFL last year. So you can't sit here and say that he's following the Josh Allen model. And, you know, it's different when you're running and you call a pass play and then you scramble. Those are not designed to go into the teeth of the defense. You may scramble and avoid pass rushers and go out of bounds one yard past the line of scrimmage, but it's a, it's not the same type of play. So I think that's a different thing. One thing I wanted to point out, it kind of dawned on me in the shower this morning. I don't know why I didn't think of it until now, but I think it's a positive when it comes to Trey Lance, because when this first happened, I was like, oh, no, look at what happened with Dak Prescott. This is a major injury. His development is totally frozen in ice. And that's not true. Luckily, it wasn't a compound fracture. The bone didn't break the skin. Eric Branch tweeted out uh, an interview or, or at least his communications with an ankle and foot surgeon that consults for the Rams, Dr. Hume. And according to his estimation, the injury itself, just the injury itself, should be fully healed from the surgery in 10 to 12 weeks. Now, I immediately sent that to you and you pointed out to me that it doesn't include, you know, sort of building up the strength back in the leg and the ankle and and a lot of the rehab that's going to be associated with this. But even if let's be conservative with this. Right. So 12 weeks would be week 14 in uh, against Tampa Bay, Sunday, December 11th. If you, even if you add another month on for rehab and strength to build up, that's January. I'm not saying Trey's going to come back and play. What I'm saying is he's not going to miss the whole offseason of development. He's going to have the full offseason to work on footwork and throwing mechanics and all of that physical stuff, those physical corrections that we, we say he needs to work on. He's still going to have that whole offseason. He should be good to go for OTAs and all of that stuff. That's a positive coming out of this because i thought he was going to lose that and that is a big deal yeah he's it would be a major complication happened if he's not ready for otas and you know after you initially sent me that 12 weeks i've looked into it more and you know this is the type of thing that's a lot easier to find now i'm not going to pretend to be a medical expert but there are literally medical sites hospitals you know legit medical not WebMD. you know not the wikipedia of medical advice, but actual hospital credible 
places that will break it down. It's not like it's hidden info anymore. It's hard to find. And it is 12 weeks until the bone is ready for full weight. Uh, and then it's rehabbing. You know, you, you go 12 weeks with little to no weight. I think I think it's like 10 weeks with no weight. And then you have two weeks where you can do some partial weight, but you can't be like, you know, actually running or anything like that. It takes a while to rebuild the strength after that. And that doctor even said he doesn't know the specifics of Lance's injury. And there can be other things in there that could cause a longer recovery time. When the NF or the Niners, after he said that, released their results of the surgery or, you know, announcement of it, they said that he had ligament damage. Well, that right there makes it longer than 12 weeks. He has a ligament that needs recovery as well. But I did go out and find, I think it's actually a hospital near you. It's Hartford Hospital. And they had a bone surgeon come in and talk specifically about broken fibula and the timetable for it. And I got a quote from this article on the, on their website. And he says, typically it's non-weight bearing or limited weight bearing for six weeks, most fractures will have some degree of protected weight bearing for 10 to 12 weeks, then at least another month to fully rehabilitate. And that's with no ligament damage. And that's Dr. Clifford Rios of the Bone and Joint Institute. He's an, and he's an orthopedic surgeon. So he's kind of an expert on this specific surgery. And that's his timetable. 10 to 12 weeks until full weight bearing and then at least another month of rehabilitation. So, yeah, he's not going to play this season. Now, I do think it would be interesting if, let's say, he's progressing well. And it looks like maybe the first, you know, after the first weekend of playoffs, he could be fully healthy. Oh, man. You know, do you, do you, because you have to set your playoff roster. Do you add him to the playoff roster just in case? Because if you're in the playoffs and say Jimmy gets hurt, gets dinged up in a game, and you got to go to Brock Purdy, you know, you don't really have much of a shot, but if Trey Lance, who, you know, he might not be fully, you know, he might be healed on his leg, but his arm, all those things, you know, his practice, he might only have, you know, a week's worth of practice at that point. He's not truly ready to take over the reins again, but wouldn't you rather have him as, as the backup in the playoffs, just in case something happens to Jimmy, even if Jimmy has an amazing season, has nothing to do with the whole Jimmy and Lance thing. Wouldn't you rather have Lance there where it, you know, instead of Brock Purdy, it's well, Lance isn't, as ready as we had hoped, but he's perfectly sound in terms of injury. So we're going to go to him and hope he can salvage the season. That would totally flip the kind of the civil war that's been going on between 49ers fans, right? At that point, it would, it would be, we'd all be pulling in the same direction. It would just be like, it wouldn't be Trey versus Jimmy anymore, right? It would be Trey and Jimmy working together which they're doing now, but we don't view it that way. Yeah. But it would be them working together to like help the Niners get over the hump. It would be fascinating. And you know what? With this team and this season, like I'm not ruling anything out. Like right. <laughs> maybe I mean, that doesn't happen. The Niners can literally say, well, we're going to activate Trey because we think maybe he could be ready enough by the Super Bowl. And we would rather have him as a backup in the Super Bowl just in case. Uh, and they yep. add him to the playoff roster while saying, no, he's not going to be starting the next playoffs. We just think maybe he could be ready by by the Super Bowl, but if we get to the Super Bowl, we're going to stick with Jimmy. But we would just rather have him as a backup in the game and kind of, you know, set the stage of, no, he's not 
truly ready to step in and we're not going to just give him the reins in the middle of the playoffs unless something happens to Jimmy, but we want that option in case something happens to Jimmy. It would be. I can see that happening because that is kind of the timetable right at about the start of the playoffs is when he should be fully back, maybe a week or two into the playoffs. So if you're looking at the NFC championship game or the Super Bowl, Trey Lance would very likely be back fully at that point. But teams have to set their rosters for the playoffs prior to the playoffs starting. So you can't change your 53-man roster, if I'm not mistaken, in the middle of the playoffs. So he would have to be activated and brought onto the roster. Look, we're full disclosure, we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. They may put Trey Lance on IR today and the whole thing would become moot because he'd be ineligible to play. But it would be fascinating. And with the way this Niners season has taken twists and turns, who the hell knows? I do think, though, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get hurt at some point during this season just because in his career, that has been what has happened to him. Uh, so it's entirely possible that whether it's Trey or or uh, Brock Purdy, the other quarterback's going to be playing. I think three quarterbacks are going to play this year for the 49ers. So, I mean, it would be wild, but we'll see, you know, if they put him on IR, how they handle There's all There's a lot that. of ways things can go. You know, say the Niners yeah. are, they've locked the playoffs, but Jimmy gets hurt in week 17. You know, I'm not rooting for any of this. Let's be clear about that. Of I'm course. not rooting for We're any. all rooting for the 49ers. But say Jimmy gets an injury in week 17 where he's now done for season, but the Niners were already, you know, 11, 12 wins, already guaranteed playoffs at that point. Yeah, at that point, you might try to get Trey Lance back in there because you're not going to do anything in the playoffs so with weird. it would be like, so it, weird it would be it would be one of the biggest storylines in recent years not that i'm rooting for it at all i don't want jimmy to get hurt i don't want to see trey lance rushed back too soon either but if he's fully healthy and something like that happens i would expect trey lance to be activated at that point yeah well we'll see i think and i do put think him... it would be in the niners best interest to keep that door open why why close that door if it's at all possible, I think they should keep it open, uh, but we'll see. We'll see what they think. Like we said, we don't know the extent of the ligament damage. It could be severe, which would make this whole conversation moot. But either way, I think that the one I good... I do think that the, the way they put it in the press release was kind of odd to me. And I can't remember another instance. They called it, I think, disrupted. Yes, ligament, ligament disrupted. Is disrupted, which is probably better because it means it didn't break it didn't get torn it just means it's probably like it disconnected and so it's just kind of floating there you know it got disconnected from the bone but it didn't get destroyed and thus they can probably reattach it yeah i, don't, I, I always but i, I, I don't know think... i've never seen a ligament described in any part of the body as disrupted, disrupted. i know so i don't have i can't like go research that it's weird but that's not an accident Right. Like they specifically use that phrase for a reason. It's not torn, but it's it's not totally healthy. Like something happened with the ligament. So, yeah, we don't know the extent of that. And like we said, he could go on IR and whatever. But it, it's fun to at least discuss sort of the twists and turns uh, that this season can can take. And at least he doesn't lose a whole off season of development. That's that's really good for somebody that's going to go into year three with less than 15 quarters of actual NFL experience. And he still doesn't have two full starts on consecutive Sundays in over a thousand days. And it'll be even more than that by the time he gets back. So he needs yeah, he'll, he'll be uh, ready and healthy to be traded to Minnesota for Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Don't even <laughs> joke about that.
Let's get into some thoughts about Denver because the season continues. Jimmy Garoppolo is the starting quarterback. They're going to play a game on Sunday night football in prime time. I got to say, I'm a lot less worried about the Denver Broncos than I was going into this season. They have not looked good. They struggled with the Houston Texans last week. They haven't scored. I don't think they haven't scored 20 points this season in any game. So I feel a lot better about this matchup than I did when the schedule came out. Yes, I feel a heck of a lot better. I was really worried about this game. I thought Denver was going to be a top team. Uh, they have struggled. But I will say they they have struggled to finish. They have not struggled to move the ball. It's just they haven't finished uh drives you know they they're i think 24th in points scored but seventh in yards and the thing that's really shot them in the foot which i don't think is getting enough attention uh guess who has the most penalties in the nfl the denver Denver broncos with 25 guess who's in the next closest it's 18 they have seven more penalties in two weeks than the next closest team you know the niners we all know week one they got killed because they had 12 penalties the Broncos are averaging 12 and a half penalties per game. So, yeah, like this is a team that would almost definitely be 2-0 if it wasn't for penalties. And then on top of that, like it's not like the offense is is struggling to move the ball. They've just struggled to finish drives. I think they have like, what, five red zone possessions and six points total? Oof. Like, yeah, it's like they're right on the cusp of suddenly being that juggernaut that a lot of team, a lot of people thought they were going to be, and maybe this is the week they figure it out. So I'm still kind of worried about this game because, you know, there's only going to be so long that a team has that bad of a red zone record. Well, but the 49ers have not been good in the red zone either. Kyle Shanahan has talked about that this week, that they need to get better in that area. And it's so weird that they've had the struggles because they were the best red zone team in the league last season. And I almost wonder if, everybody did their homework on the Niners red zone stuff. And so Kyle has to sort of recalculate and readjust here uh, this year, because what he did last year is not working because they were, they were great in the red zone last year. And so hopefully they can get, start to get that straightened out. Cause I think that has sort of made the offense look worse than it's been. Even with Trey Lance in there, like they were moving the ball down the field. Yeah. They had like 130 yards of offense in two drives with Trey Lance. Like they were moving the ball. And I want to give Kyle Shanahan credit because I think we generally attach penalties to the head coach and the coaching staff. They were awful in week one. Kyle said they'd get it fixed. And they had one penalty last week, and it was questionable at best. And so, you know what? If we're going to rip him for the penalties, then we got to praise him for cleaning it up. So, good job. A lot of the things they struggled on in week one, they were really good at in week two. You know, the offensive line play improved dramatically. Now, I think the real test will be coming this week and certainly the week after that. You know, you got the Broncos, good defensive front. You got the Rams, good defensive front. If they can do well in the next two weeks, then the offensive line stops being a massive concern. If they get exposed, you know, we're right back to thinking like we were in week one. Seattle's not the best opponent, so it's hard to know which one's real. Uh, But they did improve massively in week two and like you said the penalties the one penalty was a defensive pass interference which was i'll say 100 not defensive pass interference and if i'm not mistaken i wiped away an interception yeah uh that was the only penalty though 
that was a relatively clean game, and that's awesome. You love, love, love to see the 49ers get cleaned up. Uh, and the turnovers, like, they are generating turnovers. And I think it was Mooney Ward that wanted to call the secondary pick city. And I kind of was like, yeah, all right, dude, let's, like, tone yeah. it down. This is not a secondary known for causing turnovers. And then enter Mr. Talanoa Hufanga, or as I like to call him, Hufanga the Unrelenting, because the dude is freaking everywhere. You know, he has helped 49ers safeties generate turnovers like we haven't seen here. Jimmy Ward had two interceptions last year for the 49ers, both in one game in the Rams game. And that was all that starting safeties got for ter- for interceptions on the year. Well, Hufanga's played two games. He picked one off against the Bears, and he tipped one up in the air to let uh, Tashawn Gibson get an interception last week. They already have two this year. That's incredible what he's done for this defense. And Jimmy Ward's not even back yet. When Jimmy Ward gets back, this defense is going to go to a whole other level. Hufanga, he's a difference maker. You know, we were both kind of critical. Like, that better work out. It's kind of how we put it all offseason. And it, <laughs> I'm, I have now flipped to wondering, why the heck wasn't he starting last year? <laughs> <laughs> or how did he go in the fifth round? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we know how he went in the fifth round. It's a little undersized, doesn't have great top end speed, but the way they're utilizing him doesn't matter. You know, he's kind of, uh, similar, I would say to Jamal Adams. He's not as big as Jamal Adams, but he's dominant in the run game and you can have him kind of sit underneath things to disrupt things a little bit more as a safety than you would have had, say Tart, who played, you know, basically, you know, dropped back in a true too deep safety so they're utilizing him differently than they have that position uh and it's working it 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 is playing to his strengths and that's a credit to D'Amico Ryans right recognizing that and switching it up which I feel like he gone (laughs) D'Amico Ryans will not be here next year yeah I hate to say it (laughs) I hate to lose another good coach but I agree with you but hopefully Vic Fangio will come on down and we can slide another great defensive coordinator it would be really interesting to see how Fangio would treat this defense because he doesn't run the same scheme yeah but we got we got plenty of time to dive into that later um but yeah the defense has been absolutely incredible nick bosa was a monster last week as well i just i think that and this was a point that akash made which i wish i had thought of because he's 100 percent right this isn't the same russell wilson that we have seen with seattle he Something I don't know if it, what the deal is, but he is not as mobile and athletic as we have seen him in years past. He's still mobile, but he doesn't seem to have that incredible like agility. Type of, yeah. yeah, like he just doesn't seem to be doing that. And maybe he still has it and he's just not doing it. I don't know. Whatever the case is, it's different. It's different this year. And I think just that little bit of difference is going to help the Niners corral him more than they have in years past. And maybe that's me just being optimistic and being too prisoner of the moment. But this isn't like a a two-game sample size with Russ. He was still doing that same thing when he came back with Seattle last year. And you can't blame it on the injury because it was a finger injury. It wasn't a leg or a lower body injury. He doesn't look like the same guy in terms of that. And I think that's going to be a difference maker this weekend. Uh, I certainly hope so. I don't want to see the Houdini, you know, come back for one game special. No. But I do think the Niners' defense has an advantage in this game. Uh, Jerry Judy, I think, is still up in the air on whether or not he'll play. I Mm -hmm. think it's doubtful considering he got injured early in their game last week and was almost instantly done for the game. Um, 
but they did say like it's not as serious as they thought it was during the game. So um, I don't think he's been completely ruled out this week just yet, but I think it's doubtful he plays. And that means that they're, you know, Cortland Sut- Sutton. And that, that's about it in terms of wide receivers. Um, and I do think the Niners can shut that down. I do think that we should shine the light a little bit more on the rush defense of this Niners because everybody, and I was guilty of this, is talking about the pass defense being so great and that they're dominating in that regard. And yes, they have given up the fewest passing yards in the league uh, at 285. Did you know that they're also giving up the lowest yards per attempt rushing in the league? And that's even with playing Justin Fields and Geno Smith, two scrambling quarterbacks. They're only giving up 2.6 yards per rush. That's insane. That's absurd. <laughs> now, so I, the run the run defense might be the best in the league, and a lot of that has to do with Hufanga kind of making up the difference. A lot of plays that, oh, they got past the defensive line, they might be getting a five. Oh nope, there's Hufanga. He shuts it down after you know two three yards. He flashes up there. The thing I like about him is even if he doesn't make the tackle and he's a very good tackler, he generally slows the ball carrier down enough that everybody else can catch up, which is obviously good. I mean, the defensive front, you're starting to see film clips come out on Twitter of guys like Hassan Ridgeway and Givens, like just dominating their guys, just moving the line of scrimmage back. They are performing the way we thought they would be performing. Um, now, I do, you know, I feel like it's too early in the season to get an accurate picture of like what a team is based on the, the first two games because we just don't have enough information. But it does tell us something. And we did assume the 49ers would be good against the rush. Uh, and so far, so good. So, yeah, I think I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game at all. If I flip it over now to the offense, my worry with Jimmy Garoppolo in there is that the issues on the interior of the offensive line are going to show up in pass protection, that Jimmy's going to face a lot of pressure and a lot of pressure up the middle, and that scares me because we know what Jimmy is in terms of pressure and scrambling, and it's not something he does. No, I think we're going to see the return of the screen game. What do you mean return? It never left. Well, it's going to start working again. We're going to see Debo. We're going to see, I think, IU get a wide receiver screen in this game. I think you're going to see a return of the offense previously. You know, you're not going to have Jimmy doing a uh, a QB uh, read where he's running like we saw in the red zone last week. Uh, Which, what the (laughs) hell was that? Like, and Kyle was asked about it and he kind of, he didn't really directly answer it. Yeah. What the hell are you doing running that, Kyle Shanahan? When if Jimmy gets hurt and he always gets hurt, your quarterback <laughs> is Kyle Yuschek. What are you doing? It is what it is, but I don't think we're going to be seeing that from here on out. We're going to see a lot more of the previous offense from previous years, and that's a lot of wide receiver screens, shorter passes, slants. Um, we should see Kittle in this game. How is he going to change things? Uh, I do like the the offense, I think, should be able to put up points. But it's not going to be a dominant offensive game. Uh, there will be sacks in this game, put it that way. There will be some drives that end because a sack destroyed. They're down in distance. Which is, yeah, that's. I feel like that's the biggest difference is that, at least with Trey, I thought that they'd be able to overcome some of that. But I feel like most of the time, not every time, obviously, but most of the time, if the Niners give up a sack, that possession is going to end in a punt more unless the sack comes in like the red zone. Um, But I still think even though, you know, I have my doubts about Jimmy Garoppolo and I always will, 
And there's no, there's no Jimmy G 2.0 that's waiting to emerge. I hate to break it to people. He's going to be who he always has been. And it's, it's unfair to ask him to be anything different. Like he is what he is at this point. It's, it's crazy to say like, he's got to be better than he's always been. Cause that's just not how it works. But if the Niners end every possession in this game with a kick, they won't lose. And I could, I would say that if Trey Lance was starting or Jimmy Garoppolo is starting, if they end every possession with a kick, a PAT, a field goal or a punt, they're not losing. Mm, I get what you're saying there. You're basically saying they don't turn the ball over. They're not going to lose. That's pretty much been the script for the Niners for the last four plus years since they yeah. got good. That as long as they don't turn the ball over, they're fine. Uh, so, yeah, I don't necessarily disagree there that if there's no interceptions, no lost fumbles, they should be good. And that just is because they have the better roster. Top to bottom, the Niners might have the best roster in the league. So if you don't make mistakes – you're going to win a vast majority of the games. And I think that we are going to see more turnovers from the D. So that even leads it to more of what we're talking about. Because if you give the Niners offense short fields and they can cash in some of those short fields for touchdowns instead of field goals, they're going to be good. I I don't know, man. I feel really good. It's a weird thing to say because the backup quarterback is in. But, you know, if you were afraid of the 49ers last year because you were like oh man they got that defense they got that running game well you should be just as afraid this year because everything is still here pretty much so it's a nice opportunity for the team to make a statement in prime time the world's going to be watching we all know okay you lost your starting quarterback all right but it's an opportunity for the Niners to go out and say to everybody we're still the big bad 49ers and we're going to beat the guy that always kicked our ass You know, I was thinking of this this morning. What is the best part of the defense? I think that's a hard thing to answer. The defensive line might be the best defensive line in the league, certainly right there for the deepest. The linebackers, I think the Niners probably have the best argument for the best linebacking trio in the league. And now, certainly with Jimmy, when Jimmy Ward is back, they have an argument for the best secondary because Hufanga is crazy good all of a sudden. Jimmy Ward is amongst the best free safeties in the league. And you have Ward shutting things down on the on one side and E-Man shutting things down on the other side. You haven't heard anything about them. And, oh, by the way, we have Samuel Womack, who nobody's really even heard mentioned during games because nobody's catching things against him. So you, you have an argument there, I think, for the best secondary in the league. So, yeah, I was kind of toying with that thought in, in my head this morning about what part of the defense – is the most dominant part. And I don't think you can answer it. Didn't you just say the 49ers have the worst starting safeties in the league like two weeks ago? Uh, Going into week one, yes. (laughs) Well, I said this with Ward coming back. With Ward coming back, I think, you know, with Gibson, no, they don't have the best safeties in the league. But Ufanga, from what we've seen in two games, he is crazy good. Like, you, you you can't say how good he is. Like you can't overstate it. And we he's couldn't have predicted good. it. Like he's been the had... best. He's been the best player on defense, both games, in my opinion. If we had said that going into the season, everybody had been like, you guys are homers, right? Like we didn't right. know. He, we did not know. Nobody knew. Right. If people like knew, I said, he... I was wrong. I, I said, I yeah. haven't liked what I saw out of him last year. I think there's going to be mistakes on the back end where he gets beat deep. We haven't seen it yet. So, you know, I'll, I'll eat, eat my words there that he's a lot better than I thought he was going to be. I think he'll probably get tested 
in this game because you know Russ is going to chuck up a couple moon balls. Somebody will figure out something to be able to attack him, limit him. I think defenses right now are kind of they've kind of ignored him. You know, they're more keen on got to stop Bosa. Where's Fred Warner? I think defenses might our offenses might change a little bit and say we're going to identify where Hufanga is and get him out of the equation, especially in the run game. You know, have have somebody designated for sprinting at him and taking him out so that he can't drop down. And we'll see how he adjusts to that. Right now, you're you're at the point where Hufanga has made an adjustment. He's dominating. Now the offenses are going to adjust to him and what he's been succeeding at, and they're going to try to take away his ability to drop down in the run game, things like that. Can he still make a difference when they do that? Maybe some RPOs where you force him to sort of choose, are you going to attack the running back or stay back? You can do that type of thing. Uh, and it'll be on D'Amico, obviously, to help anticipate those. And I feel like he does a good job of adjusting during the game. You know, like We saw in the, I think, of the playoff game against the Packers last year. Packers go down the field. They're moving the ball. They score a touchdown. And the defense kind of gets together, and they figure it out. And that was basically it for the Packers the rest of the way. Like, D'Amico can adjust on the fly, and he may have to do that in this game. Oh, I still don't feel like I'll always be a little uneasy facing Russ just because it is Russ and he's 17 and four against the 49ers in his career, but it will change a lot about just sort of the national narrative and the feeling with the 49ers. If they go out and have a really good game on Sunday night football, don't you think like, I feel like the whole conversation around the team will change. I think both teams are in that boat. Both teams are one and one. If Denver loses at home on Sunday night football, people are going to say, Oh, they're not a playoff team. Russ is toast. He's not the same. Seattle was right to move on, blah, blah, blah. Same time, if uh, Denver wins, I almost said if Seattle wins, thinking <laughs> of Russ. <laughs> but if Denver wins, you know, they're going to say playoff team. You know, they're figuring things out. They're going to be dominant the rest of the way because Russ is, you know, starting to cook. Uh, and the Niners will be one and two, and they're going to say, eh, maybe this isn't a playoff team. You know, maybe they're not better with Jimmy, you know. Maybe they can't absorb that you know, and so on and so forth. I think both narratives for these teams are going to change drastically based on who wins the game. And especially for the Niners having another primetime game in week four on Monday Night Football against the Rams, too, that we'll find out, you know, the the Niners will be heavy in the conversation for the next two weeks, regardless of what happens. Um, Do you think that there is any scenario where people would be actively calling for Brock Purdy? Uh, what do you mean by people like Niners fan? Like, let's say Jimmy goes out and, you know, throws up a clunker, especially in prime time. Right. Do you think that potentially people would be saying like, Hey, we tried with this guy. It's just not working. You kept Brock on the team for a reason. He was going to be the backup quarterback before you thought you were keeping Jimmy Garoppolo. Give him a shot. Do I think that there will be dipshits on Twitter (laughs) saying that? Yes. Because there's dipshits on Twitter saying something about everything. Uh, do I think it would be any kind of percentage of the fan base to pay attention to? No. I, I don't think any casual fan, any diehard is going to be saying that. It's going to be people with a bias already. Either they were so heavy on Trey Lance that they can't stand Jimmy. Or I've seen a few that are out there that are really big on Purdy and think he's dominant because, you know, the whole preseason effect of playing against third stringers. Uh, but I don't think there'll be any national media people. None of that. There'll be no credible person, put it that way. 
I would agree. And I will not be one of those people, by the way. And like, I, I think it would take like a solid, like three, four games of Jimmy stinking it up to where it doesn't matter who you are. If you're playing that bad for that long, people are going to say, well, why don't you at least try right. the other guy, regardless of who it is? Yeah, I agree with that as well. I just, you know, just something that popped into my head. Um, I put a poll up on NinersNation.com. Would beating Russell Wilson feel better than beating the Seahawks? Because Joe Staley went on KMBR and literally said the words, I hate Russ. Like he wants to beat Russ more than he wanted to beat the Seahawks. The According to the poll, 54% of the people said yes, they would feel better to beat Russell Wilson than it would to beat Seattle. And I totally agree. Because the reason they lost so many games to Seattle, while that defense was part of it, the Legion of Boom was definitely part of it, there were a lot of games that were close enough where Russ just pulled a rabbit out of his hat or maybe some other place and found a way to get it done and crush the 49ers hopes. So for me, beating Russ will feel better than beating Seattle, even putting aside the Trey Lance injury last week. I call BS on that poll. I think if it was posted the prior week, prior to the Seattle game, Seattle would have won that vote. Really? Because they would have been worried about losing. And for me, it's not even close. I want to be at Seattle more because I don't want to have to hear it from their entire fan base. I don't interact with Russell Wilson. Do I want to beat him? Yeah. Do I have a personal relationship where I have to deal with him in my day-to-day life? No. If the Niners had lost to Seattle this past week, would I be hearing it from everybody, including like Steeler fans because I live in Pittsburgh? Yeah, they'd be like, wow, you're on two and you lost to two bad teams. You know, and you have the whole Seattle gets to hold that over the Niners head for how long? You know, the narrative would be the Niners just can't beat Seattle. They still have their number, even with Geno Smith. Mm -hmm. That would be miserable. Losing to Russ is, yeah, you lost to Russ, but it's a whole new team. It's Denver. Wow. I'm surprised. I mean, I, I hate him. I have told Russell Wilson to his face. I know. I I heard that interview. I don't like him either because of what he's done to the Niners over the years. But I don't want to hear it from a fan base. Those are the people that I actually have to deal with in my day-to-day life. That's fair. If, it's, if we're talking about impacting your life, I get it. Uh, well, the nice thing is we could be waking up in a world on Monday morning where the Niners have done both. And let's sign up for that world, please. That would be absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I don't think we're going to be waking up. Well, we're East Coasters, so we're not going to be waking up Monday morning having done both. We're going to be still awake That's Monday true. morning. And know the answer already. <laughs> yeah, this is, look, I, I'm never, I will never, ever, ever complain about this job because it is a dream job and I love it. But it's definitely a big difference for me when the team plays at, say, 1 p.m. Eastern like they did in week one versus on Sunday night football. But uh, whatever, sleep. I yeah, can sleep I, I got to say, like, I grew up Eastern Eastern time zone. Uh, well, technically, I grew up in both Eastern and Central because Indiana didn't have daylight savings time until, like, literally the year I moved away in college. Um, but during football season, it was Eastern and I do not miss games getting over at 1230 in the morning. That's what it is for the East coast. And I lived for 10 years in mountain time zone out in North Dakota. And I think that's like, I I've lived in Eastern. I've lived in central and I've lived in mountain. I think mountain is the perfect one because it's not so early like West coast. You know, it's a little, you know, it's 11 AM start time for the day games. Perfect. And then the games are over at like 10:30 PM. It's like the perfect window for football. 
Yeah, that's the sweet spot. I agree with you. Um, do, does anybody know, by the way, do you know, are we changing the clocks this year or not? I thought we stopped that, but I can't, I've never gotten any like actual confirmation on that. If we're going to stop it, my theory on that has always been great. Let's stop it, but let's turn the clocks back one more time. And then we can agree to never change them again. Cause I want that extra hour of sleep. Damn it. You know, uh, like I said, I didn't grow up with daylight savings time. It is easily in my top five least favorite things in the world. <laughs> you know, it's wow. like right there with Al Qaeda. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. On that list. I'm, I'm joking a little bit there, but I absolutely cannot stand daylight savings time. I literally didn't have to deal with daylight savings time mm-hmm. until I graduated college and I wow. was 22 years old. I can't stand it. It is the dumbest invention. The whole principle behind it isn't even a thing you know the whole idea was you know farmers they get more daylight farmers don't work by the clock they work when the sun comes up and they quit working when the sun goes down they don't work based on what time the clock says so it's just a dumb principle to begin with and you know they've done studies on it it actually costs the u.s economy billions upon billions of dollars in lost production because people take a while to get back up to speed you know they're less efficient after the clocks change each time it's the dumbest invention that has been adopted so widely and i don't know why it is literally no point to it it does no service whatsoever i don't think the farmers had anything to do with it i think that's a myth i think i don't care who had anything to do with it all i want is anybody that had any anything to do with making this a thing should get dropped off a cliff (laughs) Yeah, I think it had to do with like wartime consumption and energy consumption, but whatever the reason is, we don't need it anymore. It's dumb. We just stop it. We could figure this out now. So well, I don't know if we're changing the clocks back or not, but that just popped in in my head. All right. So let's get to it before we go. Official prediction, score prediction for the game. I've gone back and forth earlier in the week. I was going to take Denver because they're at home. I do think playing in the altitude is a bigger deal than a lot of people think, even though that's lesser a little bit now. Um, but I, I think it's really a toss-up game. It, it's a really hard, and if it's a toss-up game, you know, I'm going to allow my homer to come out. There you go. <laughs> uh, that's kind of how I work. If I can't decide and I keep going back and forth on who's going to win the game, and it has to do with the Niners, all right, I'm going to break the tie by picking the one that I want to happen more. Uh, Because I can't make up my mind. Uh, I'll go 24-21. Thirsty for those likes. I understand. Look, you know. Oh, yes. (laughs) I I am the most popular person on Twitter. Hey, I saw you got up over 1,500 followers. Congrats. Yeah, me. Let's go. Uh, For what it's worth, Vegas agrees they have the over-under at this game for 45, which is essentially, you know, a very low-scoring game. Uh, the Niners, believe it or not, are favored on the road against Russell Wilson. So that tells you what Vegas thinks they're one and a half point favorites on the road. I was way off with my score prediction last week. I did not think the 49ers were going to blow out Seattle by that many points, especially considering they lost their quarterback during the game. I don't think this is going to be a blowout, but I do think the 49ers are going to win it. I will say 24-17. But I think the Niners are going to win, and they'll go into the game against the Rams on Monday Night Football, even with all the drama and the controversy, at 2-1, and one, 
with a chance to go three and one and have two wins in a division by week four, which would be amazing. Just win so I can get to sleep. <laughs> I think that's the worst. When they lose a night game, it's like 1230. You're pissed. Yep. You can't sleep. Nope. And I I got an alarm clock that's going to be going off at four o'clock in the morning to go to work. Does uh, that mean I'm you're all... not going to join us on the instant reaction show? I will probably join for like 10, 15 minutes, piss my wife off because she'll probably already be in bed. Um, <laughs> but I'll probably join real quick, say my piece, go get my three hours of sleep. Hopefully, uh, if the game does not end well, uh, I will probably be sitting there tossing and turning, pissed. And, you know, when you're angry, it's hard to fall asleep. I agree. It just replays over and over in your mind, and you think, what if? But hopefully we don't have to worry about that. Hopefully the Niners win, and we can do the instant reaction and have a celebratory instant reaction. You know, one of the things that I said to Kyle and Akash before they recorded yesterday was, like, as much as the Trey Lance injury sucks, and it does, this is like all that drama is kind of gone now for, for the rest of this season, assuming he doesn't come back. Uh, because we can all just push in the same direction now. There is no Jimmy versus Trey anymore. It's Jimmy. He's the only option we have. So let's all get on board. Let's get together. Let's stop the infighting. And let's move forward as one kind of united fan base. And hopefully we can do that. And hopefully they start winning or keep winning. Uh, yeah, I'm still kind of, you know, I hit the nail on the head because I know myself pretty well in the instant reacts. I said, at this point in the week, when we record our podcast, I'll probably be halfway past injury and when the game kicks off i'll be fully past the morning stage <clears throat> excuse me uh, sounds like you're still the in the morning stage, stage. yeah uh definitely i'm still somewhat in it uh every time i think about the game that's the first thing that pops in my head yeah uh so it's hard to move on until we get a game to move on from and i just hope it's a good one because i don't want to move on to a loss because then i'm just going to be sitting there pissed off you know go from sad to pissed off you know joy what fun <laughs> Well, whatever happens, join us after the game for the Instant Reaction Podcast on the Niners Nation YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, my Twitch page as well. Nice. A lot of people in the UK watching on my Twitch page, which is really cool. So shout out to everybody in the UK. But uh, good, bad, ugly, whatever happens, we will be there with you. Levin, have a spectacular week. I will talk to you on Sunday after the game. Rate, review, follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network, everybody. Go Niners.